On today's show, let's talk about some of the biggest surprises in the Dallas Mavericks season so far, including Mark Cuban selling the team. We'll talk to Doyle Ratter about that, his insight on the Mavericks and Dallas going forward, and Derek Lively just making a huge impact. We'll talk about that and more on today's Lockdown Mavericks. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavericks. don't believe you shouldn't be here. Loyalty never fades away. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show. Make it Locked On Mavs your first listen today, where the best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day, leave a five-star review, and comment anything Below. Let me know in the comment section what's one thing that has surprised you so far about the Dallas Mavericks or this season. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase at Game Time. Today on the show, I want to talk about things that have surprised me so far in the Mavericks season because it's kind of been a surprising season, or at least there have been some surprises. We'll talk about Derek Lively's impact. We'll talk about the Mavs in the clutch. We'll talk about some a couple other things, personnel things that I think have, have kind of surprised me and surprised some people. So we'll talk about that today. But I want to start with Mark Cuban and selling the team because that's honestly been the most surprising thing out of anything. So bringing in friend Doyle Ratter from Forbes to talk about this whole thing. We get into his, uh, you know, his thoughts on, you know, he wrote the piece a year ago about Mark Cuban wanting to connect with Vegas Sands and wanting to create a casino and bring that all to Dallas and what he thinks about if this is actually possible legislative-wise, politics-wise. He reports on all that kind of stuff, so he provided some great insight. So let's have our conversation with Doyle. Now joined by Doyle Ratter from Forbes and also Mavs Moneyball. Doyle, you wrote a story about Mark Cuban wanting to team up with Las Vegas Sands and bring a casino resort style new Mavericks arena and all that a year ago, like December 15th, 2022 so like almost exactly a year ago to this point. What did he say a year ago that led to this sale now? Right. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll tip my hat to the Dallas morning news. I think they were the first to report that, but essentially Cuban had come out, you know, he's been pushing for, a new arena. He's been talking about having a new one for the Mavericks for a number of years now, at least since we've been covering the team. He's brought it up, I feel like, once a year. Yeah. And he said that what he ideally wants is to see a Las Vegas-style casino and resort in Dallas with the Mavericks' new arena as the focal point of that kind of development. And he said that he would uh, partner with the Las Vegas Sands uh, to make that happen. And with the announced sale of the majority of his shares to uh, Miriam Adelson, who is the uh, CEO of the Las Vegas Sands. Um, that That's happening. That's That <laughs> that element is becoming reality, at least. Did you ever envision Cuban would sell the team in any way like this? Because it just it never even crossed my mind until it just popped up as a news story yesterday. No, no. I, I had never, ever once thought that he would actively sell the team in this way now it's a unique deal obviously he retains control of basketball operations so he still has you know his his hands in the pots there of being able to control just that side of things but i guess everything else is kind of out out of his hands now the uh, you know the front office is kind of his side and then team operations on the other side 
I don't know who's going to be running that. I guess just all sent for now. But yeah, it's it. I never, I never thought this is his baby. Like this right. was his first big boy purchase, basically when he became a billionaire. <laughs> uh, I think then, my first big boy purchase was like a car. His is of NBA franchise, two hundred eighty something million dollars. That's pretty right. Yeah, you know, 23, <laughs> 23 almost twenty four years ago, he he, he did that. So, I mean, this is what brought him all all the fame he enjoys today. Like, uh, so no, it, it was shocking to see him giving up the majority uh ownership of the team do you think it's a good thing for maps fans in general you being you know maps fan yourself what do you think about that you know the him now still having hands on the controls then but the majority stake is owned by somebody else so that's kind of a weird setup that we've never seen before this whole new arena like basically the whole plan what do you think about this for maps fans um i mean there's just so many questions right now right i don't know what it's going to look like going forward. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing to, to tell us, like, is the Adelson family going to be really hands-on um, with what they do with the organization? They're very hands-on with a lot of other things that they do, mm-hmm. uh, not just with all of their casino resorts, but also in the political political sphere. Yeah. Um, you know, they like to be influential. Will that play out in the scope of the Mavericks? We don't know yet. Um, and so I, I don't know. I will reserve judgment for now, but I think that, you know, just based on the history of things and what the family's done in the past, people are right to have a little bit of a concern uh, with the sale. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it's a big deal in more ways than one, uh, just outside of the scope of the NBA itself. Uh, I'm working on a story that kind of plays up their interests in the state of Texas as well, in terms of trying to legalize gambling uh, statewide, because we don't have casino gambling here. Our, our gaming is a little is a little limited. It's uh, what the lottery and then a few other things like rodeo, prize picks. Yeah, <laughs> you, play, yeah you, play, exactly. you play the games, and it's a game instead of the gambling side of it. Right, and so that I think you know, being the majority owner of this team plays into what they want to do here. So there, there's just a lot of moving parts at the moment. You mentioned that they lo- like the Adelsons like to have a lot of control over things. So you wonder like it's very different going from control of like the country with their like, you know, Republican donations, the States with like their Texas lawmaker donations. And then like, Oh, that would they want to have their, their hands in the, the Mavericks. Like it feels like such a sm- much smaller thing in comparison, but what are your thoughts on, on their, uh, involvement and things like that. And then I guess let, let's move forward with the, how, how are they going to get gambling legalized here in Texas? Like, does that, does that get fast track now because of this move? Like, what are your opinions on that? Yeah. I mean, like I was saying, I don't know exactly how hands-on they're going to be with the team. Uh, I think that's going to be the real interesting thing to see play out here in the next few months, couple of years, however long it takes them to really get settled into, you know, NBA ownership at the, at this level uh, here with the Mavericks. Uh, in terms of the statewide gambling and their push here, uh, Miriam's uh, former husband, uh, Sheldon Adelson, uh, who passed away, I believe it was a couple of years ago. He was a huge proponent of lobbying uh, Texas lawmakers to try and legalize casino gambling. Uh, Miriam took up that uh, torch from him. And as recently as this earlier this year, you know, was pushing for it. Um, they had hired a bunch of lobbyists 
They donate to a lot of our uh, highest lawmakers in the state, including Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, so their hands are all over it. But the thing that's holding them up is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who has been ardently against any kind of legalization of casino gambling and shot it down again in the legislative session earlier this year. So he and, you know, a number of other Republicans throughout the state are just not for it, you know, for there's a lot of reasons why uh, that they could go down, but they are just not for casino style gambling, despite the fact that we have uh, states that border Texas, especially Oklahoma and Louisiana that, have casino gambling right there. You cross the border and it's right there, ready to go. You'd have to imagine if you make a $2 billion move, which I can't even fathom myself, but right. for, I mean, for Miriam, maybe that's like not as big of a deal as some people. You'd have to think with a $2 billion move that they have a plan in place to legalize gambling, right? That she's not just, oh, let me just invest in this NBA franchise, right? There's gotta be a longer term. If you're the fifth most wealthy woman in the world, like that, there's gotta be some bigger thing. Like, do you think that they have some kind of guarantee where it's almost like, you know, when an NBA team trades for a player that's has one year left on their deal and they know that they're going to like sign them long-term, there has to be something like that behind this, right? I mean, they keep pushing for it. They're throwing money so much, like uh, like an obscene amount of money at, at, at the issue to try and get, you know, the laws changed in Texas. That's their play right now. I don't know if there's anything on closed door. I mean, you know, Texas is slippery politics, right and left, but I don't know if there's any kind of set deal. Uh, the legislature only meets once every two years. So the next time won't be till 2025 before they can even bring this up. I mean, it's brought up, I think every session. And, but as long as Dan Patrick is, you know, the Lieutenant governor and has control over the Senate and the state, I just don't think that it's going to move anywhere. He killed it this session uh, unless unless he has a change of heart over the next two years, I don't see it coming to fruition anytime soon. I think it will happen eventually, but it's going to be a long-term process and it's going to cost a lot of money. But if you can burn $2 billion uh, just to play around with an NBA team, then you have a lot of money just to play around <laughs> with, I suppose. You can go read Doyle at Forbes and at Mavs Moneyball. Follow him on Twitter. You're at the Kobe Beef. I don't know if a lot of people know that, that that's who the Kobe Beef is. You can go that's check out. That's me, man. For, <laughs> oh, man, since like 2010, I think I started Forever. that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me. Hey, I appreciate it. Coming up, let's talk about how much of an impact Derek Lively is having on the Dallas Mavericks right now. It's kind of staggering, and we'll talk about why. Do all that coming up. Today's episode brought to you by Game Time. Game Time has all the last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals all over the place wherever you're looking to buy tickets and whatever you're looking to buy tickets for. They have tickets right now. Cowboys, Seahawks, if you're interested in that, over at the AT&T Stadium, you can go see the tickets they have available right now. I can, you can go for standing room only, tw 20 bucks. 20 bucks gets you right there if you want to do a deal like that. Go check out... They have the view from your seat, all that kind of stuff on game time. You love it. Grizzlies versus Mavericks, that game on, what is it, Friday? Uh, yeah, December 1st, $25 they have tickets for right now, and they're going to go down by the time that the game starts. You can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download the game time app today you go to gametime.co last minute tickets lowest prices guaranteed 
Thanks everybody for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps, being part of the show, part of the Raccoon Squad, listening every day. We appreciate each and every one of you. Hey, if you want more insight, if you want to hear more about the Mavericks, if you want the Mavericks getting sent straight to your phone in a text message, I get I give updates every day on different things from the Mavericks. I'll send more content there. I do film reviews. I do all kinds of different stuff. I'll send it straight to your phone in a text. Subscribe to the subtext. Try it out. You can try it out for like a week or two and see if you like it. And if you don't like it, then it's free. So try it out. I'm asking, we kind of hit a plateau with this and I still want to grow it. Let me know if you have any more ideas for it if you try it uh, and all that. So I'm interested in that. Subscribe to the subtext, click the link in the description, text the number in the description as well. All right, Isaac, let's get into some more things that have surprised me about the Dallas Mavericks season so far. Mark Cuban selling, obviously a big surprise. We talked about that. We've talked about that now two days in a row. Let's talk about Derek Lively because he's one of my favorite things to talk about with the Mavericks right now because it's very seldom where a team adds a player and you go, all right, if only, if only this player just works, can, can this player just work, please? Because it was the biggest area of need that the Mavericks had. We talked all summer. Isaac and I spent so much time this summer talking about, can they get a center, a stopgap center, whoever, can they get some kind of, like, it became a stopgap center once they got Derek Lively. Can they get a real center even before they drafted Derek Lively? And I was like, man, where can they get one of these centers? Because it just was such a, a huge area of need and it was such a big area of need that they had to address it in some way I even went so far as to say the Dallas Mavericks offseason will be a failure Nico Harrison will be a failure if they don't address the center position now is it still kind of a failure I don't know but hey they draft Derek Lively they trade they trade down still get the guy and bring in Omax and bring in Rashawn Holmes and do all that they do all that move I think it's a great move they did great in that area and Derek Lively has been so dang good. Very seldom in life does something like that happen where you go, this has to work. This has to work for us. And it has. Derek Lively has been very, very good. And look no further than just the on-off numbers or just the, the numbers right now with him and Luca on the court. So when Luca and Derek Lively are on the court together, they're playing together, which is the starting lineup other in the beginning of the third quarter, other moments throughout games. They have 119 offensive rating, which means they score 119 points per 100 possessions. That's great. Excellent. It's an excellent offensive rating. Their defensive rating is 113. Just like a little below average, but but, but, but good. Good for the Mavericks. So that's a plus three net rating. Great. Love that. Doing great. When Luka plays, so Luka is playing. He's on the court without Derek Lively. The Mavericks offense drops five points. Their defense drops a, a bunch, <laughs> seven, eight points. And so then they go from a plus six to a minus six net rating when Derek Lively sits. And this is with Luca playing. This is not like, oh, the bench is so bad. No, this is with Luca. This is just the impact that Derek Lively has on the court when Luca plays. Basically, the difference between the two is. When Derek Lively plays with Luca, the Mavs are playing at about a 12 and 5 Orlando Magic rank rating. Like their net rating is the same as the 12 and 5 Orlando Magic. When Luca plays without Derek Lively, the Mavs are playing with the same net rating as the 6 and 11 Jazz. Like that is the split between plus 6 net rating and minus 6 net rating, allowing 6 points more or scoring 6 points more. I mean, it is it's wild how big of an impact he has, but you can see it. You see it on the court and the eye test matches the numbers where you see what he can what he can do as far as defending. He defends the rim. We saw a couple times. I went back and for subtext, I went back and watched that fourth quarter again 
And you saw that there are certain moments when an Aaron Holiday would try to drive to the rim and he'd stop and take a difficult floater instead of trying to go all the way to the rim because he's nervous about Derek Lively there in the paint. And you see where guys don't get as many easy buckets. And you see where he stops things. And the rebounding, just him fighting for rebounds. I'm going to say this every game. Probably every post, probably every episode, I will say this in some way, shape, or form because I believe it so truthfully. When Derek Gladley fights for a rebound anytime, good things happen. He's averaging seven and a half a game. He's playing about 24 minutes. And like anytime he fights for a rebound, good things happen. Whether the Mavericks get the ball, whether it's just delayed so the Mavericks can get back on defense or the ball goes out of bounds. That happened last night. The ball went out of bounds on Houston when Derek Gladley was fighting for a rebound. And the Mavericks got possession back. He doesn't get credit for that, like in the stats anywhere. He doesn't get an offensive rebound. It's just a turnover or, you know, it's just an out-of-bounds play. But he fought for the rebound and the Mavs get possession of the ball. Little things like that that he brings that you don't necessarily see on the stat sheet. Now, he is averaging about three offensive rebounds a game, which is massive. That's so big. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> three per 36 minutes. He's at just about just about four. Offensive rebounds per game. Huge. Huge for the Mavericks. He's been so great. The eye test matches the stats, and the stats say that the difference between him on the court and off the court is so big. The offense is the one that's been the interesting part for me because we had Rafael Barlow, who scouted him in high school, scouted him at Duke, and was the first one, at least on our show, that came on and said, the Mavericks should take this guy. He was the first one, at least, that I heard. And so we heard from him about it, and I was like, okay, well, what is... You know, what does he bring and all this? And he talked about his shooting and his face-up game, the way that he can play on offense. We haven't seen any of that. We've seen Derek Lively take, what, two threes? Two, two threes out of timeouts that look like accidents. And we haven't really seen anything else. He's not really put the ball on the deck. There was a play last night against the Rockets where I just wanted him to put the ball on the deck one time, go to the rim, and dunk, and he didn't do it. And I think he has room to grow in his game, too, offensively. But the offense has still been good. My point is... We haven't seen a lot from him offensively, but the offense when he plays is still good because, you know, Luka can find him anywhere and it adds a whole other element, like a whole other layer where Dwight can be a lob threat or a Rashawn Holmes could be a lob threat. Even JaVale or Christian Wood could be a lob threat at times. They're not a lob threat like this. A lob threat where you could throw it anywhere. The guy, you know, demands attention. He's bigger. And then the offensive rebounding of it too. So he's just been such an impact player and it's he's... Being this good and this important, this quick has been has surprised me. The other thing that surprised me about this whole you know rookie thing is that Derek Lively is way more ready than Omax. I did not I expected Omax to be ready, and I'm like, okay, we got a wing. The Mavs added a wing to this group, but they still may need a center at some point. That's not the case now. They just need a center to foul less and be able to play more. <laughs> they need they need more of Derek Lively, which is great. It's a great problem to have, honestly. But I've been surprised that Derek Lively was ready and that Omax was not so far. And that doesn't mean Omax won't be. We're going to, we'll follow his career. And we'll follow him when he plays for the legends and all that. And we'll see what he can bring. And probably, you know, we'll see, we'll check back in in like December, end of December, January, see where he is at that point. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. But Derek Lively, huge impact, massive, massive impact on the Dallas Mavericks. Great problem for the Mavericks to have. All right, coming up, let's talk about uh, some more surprises so far. The Mavericks pace, the Mavericks clutch, the Mavericks Wings. I've got a couple things with that. Let's talk about that and more coming up. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook has all kinds of props, odds, lines, over-unders, all that and more. Right now, if you want to get in on the action, you've never done this before and you want to try, 
Put down five bucks on any money line. And if you win, you get $150 in bonus bets. So you get whatever you win. Let's say you put down five bucks and you win like 15. You get the $15. You also get 150 in bonus bets that you can use anywhere else. So go check out, see what they have available. They've got NBA awards. They've got NBA, uh, they got star player props. They got things like right before a game, if you want to put down like right now, this game is happening while I'm recording this, but Jokic over under 27 and a half points against who are they playing? The Rockets tonight. You could you could just pick that and just follow a player and see what happens. If you got a favorite player, if you got a player that you love to even root against, like let's say you want to root against a Dylan Brooks, and you pick that. Do they have Dylan Brooks on here? They don't. They do have Kawhi Leonard. Let's say you want to go the under on twenty four and a half with Kawhi Leonard and like really really root against him. You can do that too. So check it out. See what you can get at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on as the NFL season rages on. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Shut it down. It was so great to hear Dirk say that last night. <laughs> All right, Isaac, let's get into some more things that have surprised me so far about the Dallas Mavericks season. We talked about Mark Cuban selling the team, Derek Lively being this good this fast, and more importantly, this more important this fast for him. The other thing is the Mavs' clutch record. The Mavs completely turned it around. This is what drew the ire of Jason Kidd. <laughs> what drew the ire of Jason Kidd oh, after the Rockets game? So, okay. If you're on Twitter or if you, you've you've been around, you've seen at this point, you've seen the Jason Kidd. Why don't you write some positive? Hold on. I got <laughs> to be ready. For, why don't you write some positive? <laughs> he said, why don't you guys, you guys never write anything positive. Why don't you write some positive? <laughs> like he was just, he was going in. And it's the first time I've seen him like that animated or that like indignant about something. And the question was asked from Tim McMahon. He said, what's the difference between last season and this season? Last season, you guys weren't so good in the clutch last season with Luka and Kyrie. And they weren't. They played a ton of clutch games. They were 5-11 and 11 when Luka and Kyrie played. They were not good in the clutch last year. But this year, they are good. So in, in, all, in everything, it was a positive that he was bringing up. And Jason Kidd took offense to, well, why, don't you, why do you guys always focus on the negative stuff? Why do you guys always write about the negative and never focus on the positive? And specifically looking at Tim McMahon. Well, guess who was sitting between Jason Kidd and Tim McMahon? Hi, it's me. I was sitting there and Chris, Jason Kidd is like locking eyes with Tim McMahon. Just like looking him dead in the face. Like you can tell when, if you watch the clip, it's all over Twitter and everywhere. You watch the clip, he's just deadlocked, and he's looking right past my shoulder and looking at Tim McMahon, just like, why don't you guys write any positive <laughs> Just over and over, he was, he was very mad about this. So, hey, let's talk about some positive <laughs> Let's talk about it, because the Mavericks are really good in the clutch. They're 8-1, and one, best record in the NBA in the clutch. Their offensive rating, 131. That's insane. Defensive rating, 96.7. Insane. Plus 34 in that rating. They're dominating teams in the clutch. What's changed? What's different with this team? Well, the one thing that really stands out to me, their turnover rate. They turn the ball over 4% of the time in the clutch. 4%. The difference between them and like the next team is, is, a, is a lot. The Mavericks don't turn the ball over. They handle it. They keep the ball. They, they don't turn it over a lot. And that, that's a really big difference where the Mavericks don't get, and when the, the Mavericks don't have a good transition defense. So if they turn the ball over at all, they're just, they're going to die. <laughs> the Blazers, the 30th team, turned the ball over 25%. The Mavs turned it over four in the clutch, if you want to just compare teams. 
Uh, second is actually the Knicks. They turned over 4% too. Jalen Brunson took, you know, lessons from the school of Luka Doncic in the clutch. Clippers and Thunder both at around 7%. They're next. Heat and Bucks, 8%. The Hawks at 9%. The Lakers at 10%. So like, but the Mavs are leading this category by a lot. That's why I want to point this out. The Mavericks are very good at keeping the ball, not turning the ball over in, in the clutch. And I think that's because they have a very simple Luka, Kyrie, Luka, Kyrie, back and forth. And they've really unlocked this Luka, Kyrie pick and roll. They did it last night against the, the Rockets where... Kyrie will set a screen for Luka. Luka set a screen for Kyrie. And they have so many options out of that. They can either kick it over to one, kick it over to the other. They can One of them can take it. If they get the switch, then all of a sudden they have, you know, two different defenders because they're very different players. Luka is big, you know, big burly, can push you, all that. Kyrie is more speed. And so Dylan Brooks was on Luka. Fred Van Vliet was on Kyrie. And so when they switched, all of a sudden Dylan Brooks was guarding Kyrie and like, Kyrie turned the corner and bolted to the rim and Dylan Brooks just can't keep up with him. Whereas he can stay physical with Luca. Dylan Brooks could, could stonewall and stay physical with Luca, but on the other side, he couldn't keep up with Kyrie. So they, they run that, they run that a couple times. Luca is so much bigger than Fred Van Vliet. He can just body him, body him, body him, get to the rim and, you know, turn around and do a little jumper. And then if they, if anybody comes and doubles them out of that, then they've got shooters all around. Now the shooters have not shot that well overall. Like the Mavs, the, the other shooters, the other Mavericks, the Mavericks are shooting really well in the clutch, by the way. It's really well. The role players, Tim, Grant Williams, Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, Maxie, Derek Lively, Derek Jones Jr. They're shooting eight of 25 from the field in the clutch. <laughs> so the Mavericks are really good in late in games, in crunch time, but the role players still haven't really even hit shots. Grant Williams is three of six. That means everybody else is like, what, five of, of 19? <laughs> There's a bunch of missed shots there. Tim, I think, is like one of nine in the clutch. Like They haven't even had their role players really hit shots. It's just been Luka and Kyrie. And it's worked really good in the clutch. Eight and one in clutch games. They've found it that Luka and Kyrie have found some rhythm there, and that's really good. Another thing that has surprised me, Dallas is actually seventh in pace. Remember we used to talk about pace? <laughs> we talked about pace a lot. And talked about, how, hey, can the Mavericks push the ball off of live rebounds? They've been doing that. When the Mavericks push the ball off of a live rebound, 21% of the time or higher. Not even that much. Just 21% or higher when they get a rebound and they push the ball in transition. They're 9-3. and three. When they don't, when they just, you know, okay, we get a rebound. All right, we slow it down. And they slow it down under 21%. Or they speed it up only to under 21%. So, like, you know, what is that? Almost 90% of the time, you're just slowing it down. Playing, They're two and three. So the Mavericks, when they get rebounds, they got to push the pace. And they have been. Last year, they were like 29th in pace. This year, they're seventh. Just pushing the pace a little bit. Kyrie has a lot to do with this. He really helps push. But Jason Kidd made a big emphasis about it. I feel like Lucas kicking ahead just a little bit more every once. It doesn't have to be a lot. Just every once in a while, kick ahead to somebody else. Every once in a while, let Josh Green just take the ball and run. <laughs> Every once in a while, get a stop on defense, for God's sakes, right? If they get a stop on defense and they push the ball off, you know, off of a live rebound, and then boom, you're in transition. So the Mavericks pace, them actually being seventh in pace has surprised me. That's that has surprised me because I did not think it was that they had it in them. Because they were they've been slow for years. I mean, years we've been talking about this team just being very slow. Ever since they adopted Luca ball, it's just been this. Slow it down, be really hyper efficient, 
every possession matters and all that. And this year, it's just been great. It's been great for them to just push to push the pace just a little bit, and to be seventh in pace is is huge. Like I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Mavericks last like six years. All right, so they they're not even pushing the pace. They're twentieth in like transition frequency according to cleaning the glass, and they're they're pushing it like almost fifteen percent. Last year it was twelve percent. Year before twelve percent, eleven percent, twelve percent, thirteen percent, twelve percent, ten percent, ten percent. That was even before Luca. They've just been a slow team for so long, and we're finally seeing the team push the pace, and they're really benefiting from it. My last thing that has really surprised me is Derek Jones Jr. outplaying Josh Green. He has. He's just fully outplayed Josh Green, and I did not expect that. If you've listened for a while, you know that I've been high on Josh Green. I thought this year was going to be the leap for him. It was year four. Jason, there was a spot ready for him. Dorian gone. Reggie gone. Nope. Derek Jones Jr. has fully outplayed him. He's playing more. He's playing in the starting lineup. Jason Kidd messed around with that the other day just to see what would happen. He's been more impactful. It it just has been Derek Jones Jr. and not Josh Green. His shooting seems more confident. I know Josh was shooting a better percentage, but Derek Jones Jr. right now shooting better from three. Shooting better from the field. He can finish at the rim better because he can you know get up. The only thing that, that Josh Green has him on is assists right now. Assists and steals are the only thing that, that Josh Green has, and it's not even that that big of a difference. But Josh gets like one more assist a game. That's part of his game. It's not part of Derrick Jones Jr.'s game. So you would expect that. But man, having having Derrick Jones and having him be uh, the wing that starts, having them the one to chase around guards, like just having an, another extra wing that the Mavericks didn't really like expect has been so huge. Because imagine if both of those guys weren't good. <laughs> it would be like the center rotation last year where we're just trying to find somebody, right? So Derek Jones Jr. outplaying Josh Green, being better, it's been huge. It's been massive. It's something that I really didn't expect that much. And it's been a big surprise to me. He's been great. Uh, I think he may come on the show soon. So we'll see if we can talk to Derek Jones Jr. Uh, and I'm excited to see his his thoughts because when we talked to him at Media Day, he was just like, I'm ready. Thank, thank God that I'm here. He was like so excited to be in Dallas, to be here, to have this opportunity. And he's making the most of it, man. Signing for the minimum, being here. I'm so excited for him. And I'm, I'm excited that he is going to get a, like a real shot at some money this offseason. I think that there, there's something coming for him. So uh, yeah, Derek Jones Jr. out playing Josh Green. The last thing that surprised me, Mavericks being seventh in pace. Mavericks having the best clutch record in the NBA. Derek Lively being this good and this important this quick. And Mark Cuban selling the team. Those are my five most surprising things. Let me know what's your most surprising thing from the map season in the comment section below. Subscribe to Subtext. Try it out for a week or two. See if you like it. If you don't like it, tell me what you don't like about it or tell me what you want me to do with it. I'm trying to break this like I'm, I hit like a wall with it. I feel like everybody that's on it really likes it, but I have, I'm not, re- not reaching new people with it. So I want some new feedback and see what people like about it. All right. Thanks everybody for hanging out with me on Locked On Maps. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, me and Dana Larson will have you covered. With uh, we'll do some talk about the Dallas Mavericks. We'll go to the, I'll go to practice. See if I can talk to a player or two, and then uh, go check out Locked On NBA with me and Pat tonight, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom.